This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm having one of those days where I'm like, whose life am I living? Last night, I went out with a woman who I met in Ghana. She was in town for Global Citizen, and she lives in South Africa. And I'd hit her up to say I was coming in town, and she suggested that we grab a drink during the week. And I was like, oh, um, my schedule is really crazy because I have to be in front of my laptop from 8 to 1 p.m. every weeknight. And so she was like, oh, well, let's get up for happy hour. Like, I know a bunch of places. And like, literally, she sent me a bunch of places, each one more fabulous than the previous. And I was like, oh, my God, Johannesburg. Remember I said I got spots like L.A.? It got spots that are sexier than L.A. It's, it's crazy here. But we met up last night, and she's just really, really dope. I feel very, very lucky, privileged even, that I can bop around the world and just meet really dope people who really, like, look out for me. And I'm just mentioned, I have to be in front of my laptop every night from eight to one, but I actually asked for time off yesterday. I've been flirting with our friends over at South African Tourism, and they had a big event last night. One of the guys who works there hit me up and was like, hey, I know you got to work every night, but we're doing this really big event and everybody that you need to meet is going to be there. So you need to come. And I was like, bro, you know, and he was like, I know, I know, but I'm asking. So I had to ask my EP and I was like, hey, so is it possible? So it was a dinner with Kevin Hart sponsored by South Africa Tourism and the Nelson Mandela Foundation and also Adweek Johannesburg. So it was a dinner and a one-on-one talk with Kevin Hart. He's got a new movie coming out on Amazon Prime. There was a screening of the movie as well, but I couldn't stay for that because I had to be back by 11 to get back on the Zoom call. You know, I used to not be the biggest fan of Kevin Hart. I still don't think his stand-up is all that funny. And I don't think he's a bad comedian. It's just not my taste of humor. I want to say, like, he got caught cheating on his wife. 
And then he was trying to clean up his image and did that documentary on Netflix, which made him look like a complete ass. And I was like, bro, you could have kept all that in the vault. I don't understand how you got all that footage and then saw the edited version and was like, yeah, let's put this out. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I wasn't fond of him because I thought he was just an ass. There was something else. Oh, the Oscars. He refused to apologize for being homophobic. I don't know if it was a cheating thing or the homophobia thing that came first, but I didn't care for either of those. Um, and then the horrible documentary. And then he was quiet for a minute and he came back and he made the movie about the single father raising a little girl. And that was heartwarming to me. And I was like, okay, he's trying to rehab his image. He's trying to give us a different perspective of him. And then he did that movie with Wesley Snipes and he held his own with Wesley Snipes. And then for the most part, I don't follow him on Instagram, but every once in a while I check in. I was just on his page earlier. But for the most part, I see him willingly trying to rehab his public image. And usually you don't hear a lot from him or about him, at least not this controversial. He may post on his page like with the same frequency as Will Smith, but he's not putting out stuff that's controversial because I rarely hear anything about him unless he's promoting a film. And when I do hear things about him, it's mostly positive and it's attached to a project. Also, this is where I was going with this. Must have been like 2018, 2019. I was still living at home with my parents. And and my, I was walking through the living room and my dad said, I want to go to the movies, which is a weird thing to hear from my dad because prior to that moment, I don't ever remember going to the movies with my father. I might have gone when I was like a small kid, but I mean small like before seven. I have no memory of going to the movies with my dad. And I asked him about that once. And he told me he grew up in segregated Mississippi. There was like a black section and a white section. And he was like, my old man didn't allow us to go to the theaters because he didn't want us to be subjected to colored section and white section. He didn't want us to be discriminated against or, you know, get used to inferior treatment. So he said he grew up not going to the movies, which makes perfect sense to me. So I'm passing through the living room. My dad said he wants to go to the movies. And I was like, well, okay, like I'll, I'll take you to the movies. I'm like, well, what do you want to see? And he was like, I want to see the little guy. The who? He was like, the little guy. He's like, the little guy. He's so funny. And I was like, the little guy. And he was like, the funny guy, the funny little guy. Huh? He's in the car. And it took me a minute. I was like, Kevin Hart. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, ride along. And he was like, yeah, yeah, ride along. Ride along too. And I said, well, okay. And I was like, well, when do you want to go? He's like, is it playing today? He was excited. So me and my dad, you know, we, we got in the car and we, we went to the movies. My father in his um, his seasoned years doesn't like a lot of profanity. And I was like, I don't understand how you like Kevin Hart then, but okay. But once he got past the profanity, he was just tickled. He sat in the movie theater and just giggled and giggled. And in the car, he was like, he's crazy. He's so crazy. He's funny. He's funny and crazy. And I was like, really? Really? That's the first time I remember going to the movies with my father. And I was like, of all people... Kevin Hart creating bonding moments and firsts in families. I just, my heart warmed towards him after that. The only other time my father has asked me to take him to the movies, and really, I don't think he's gone on his own without me. He's never mentioned like, oh, I went to the movies and I saw, or me and your mama went, like neither one of them have ever mentioned it. He asked me to take him to see Black Panther because he was like, everybody's talking about it. And he was like, they say the boy went to Howard. <laughs> And I was like, Chadwick Boseman? And he said, that's the Black Panther? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, the Black Panther went to Howard. And I said, yeah. And he said, we, gotta, we, need, to go, we need to go see that. We need to support him. Well, all right. I've already seen the movie three times. But yes, I will take you to the theater to see it again. Happily, gladly. Father wanted to see the Black Panther support the boy who went to Howard. Okay. But Kevin Hart is in 
South Africa right now. Oh gosh, I almost said Ghana. But he did a show last, not last night, I think two nights ago in Cape Town. And then last night he was in Johannesburg for the screening of the new film. So he's got a tour tied into his new film, which is actually really smart because they end up cross-promoting each other. So he gave a good talk last night. It was brief. He didn't say anything embarrassing. He was actually not quote and unquote on. He wasn't funny or trying to be funny. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he showed up as his serious self and they asked him about, you know, why South Africa? I didn't, I don't know how many times he's been here, but he's a familiar face here. And Kevin Hart said like from the beginning, it's been important for him to come here. But he was like, honestly, he was like, the studios didn't get it. And he was like, I was always pushing to come to the continent. We need to market it there. We need to shoot there. We need to do projects there. We need actors from there. The studios just weren't really open to it. And he was like, and then when I started doing it, they realized like, oh shit, like there's a whole nother market. And he was like, you think? Cause you know, it's Africa. They got black people and black people like to watch black people. He was like, I'm here because I like being here and I enjoy the culture, but I'm also here because it makes sense to be here. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. I get it. But it was good. It was a good talk. It was a good event. I met the folks that I needed to meet. And then I had to rush out with some Cinderella, like the clock struck 930. I had to rush out to get back to my place to get on my laptop. I'm going to the Cape Town Art Fair this weekend. I've never been before, but the way it's been described is it's kind of like, and it's the biggest art fair on the continent, just to give it context, but it's like a smaller version of Basel in Miami. But Cape Town has tons of art galleries in general. It's just an artsy space. So this exhibition takes over, I think, the entire convention center. And then, of course, all the art galleries have their individual showings and parties and cocktail events and and all of that. Damn near everyone I know in Johannesburg, and I don't know that many people, but, you know, it's like 10 of them. But nine of them were like, oh, I'm in Cape Town this weekend. I'm in Cape Town this weekend. And then finally I asked, I was like, what's going on in Cape Town? And they were like, oh, there's an art fair. I literally just bought a ticket and booked a hotel, one of the few that was available. I went on booking.com to get a place and they were like, 97% of hotels in this area are sold out. I was like, oh. But I did find a good hotel close to the convention center, no less, without breaking the bank. So, so yeah, like I go to Cape Town and I'm staying over a few extra days because I just haven't been to Cape Town in forever, but I'm not doing all the things because my mother is coming to South Africa in, I want to say two and a half weeks. So there's a bunch of stuff I want her to see, but I don't want to be bored when I see it with her. So I've been holding off on seeing stuff. Like I haven't even been to the apartheid museum, which is like most people's one of their first stops when they get to Johannesburg. And I was like, nope, I'll wait till mommy comes. So the same thing with Cape Town. I'm going to Table Mountain because I can do that 50 million times, but I'm not going to, I don't think, Robin Island where Nelson Mandela was in prison. Until I can go with my mom. So yeah, Cape Town Art Fair for the next couple of days. And then I go to, where am I going? The Falls, Victoria Falls, which has been on my bucket list for a good 10, 11 years. But I was explaining this to my friend last night because we were trying to figure out like when we could get up. And I was like, oh, well, I'm here and then I'm there and then I'm here and then I'm there. And like I was saying it out loud and I was like, whose fucking life is this? Like it's mine and it's good and I'm thankful, but it's also kind of crazy sometimes. Somebody else was telling me this shit. I'd be like, really, girl? Like, that's, that's a lot. It is. But I wouldn't change it. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Right after I finished editing last week's episode, <laughs> I was doing a final scroll to see if anything crazy happened. And there were two big things. I was like, this isn't enough for me to hold up the episode. <laughs> Usher released a new song or a video snippet of a new song. I haven't actually heard the entire song or seen a place where it can be downloaded, but there is a video. I'm literally typing his name in as Usher and confused. Actually, it came up. Never mind. Enough people call him Usher where it makes sense. But he's got a new song called Glue, G-L-U. He released it on Valentine's Day. It's a gorgeous video starring the Madame. The Lori, the Harvey. <laughs> I love that chick. It's very sexy, even though you don't see a bunch of skin per se. You see some side boob and some abs, but, but that's it. There's some silhouette, which, you know, some folks find very tantalizing. It's sexy, but it's very classy. She's a beautiful woman. Like even the people who be like, I hate that bitch. Like you can't deny she's beautiful. They're like, she's famous for doing nothing. I'm like, yo, she's a hot chick. That's literally all it takes sometimes. You can parlay your way into a whole lot of rooms just being a hot chick. And she's also like a hot chick that's like an heiress. Her father is Steve Harvey. People be like, that's not really her father. That's her stepfather. No, he adopted her. He adopted her. That's, that's his daughter. He's also been raising her, I want to say, since she was like 11 or 12. It's not like he popped up in her life when she was a full-grown woman. And even then... If she wanted to change her last name to Harvey and he was like, please do, then I don't see the problem. Like, there's more ways to create family than, than biological. But literally, the man was part of her life during her formative years. Stop it. Lori Harvey, she's also in the news because she's always in the news. We talked on a previous episode how she's dating Damson Idris now, which I'm fine with. Two amazingly attractive people in Hollywood. You know how I feel about Damson. Although meeting him took some of the, the crush off. Like I was like Gaga for him. And then we actually met and he didn't say anything wrong. He was perfectly charming and lovely. He's just very 30. I guess he's probably 31 now. He's in the exact headspace that he should be for someone his age. 
I don't know if I'm in the exact headspace that I should be in for somebody my age, but I'm not in the same headspace he is. I still think he's amazingly attractive and lovely and wonderful. I'm more like, oh, he's so cute, as opposed to like, God damn, Uncle Jerome, I mean, Joseph, that's another story. That's a grown ass man right there. I actually hit him up the other day because I told you I had the screeners for the new season of Snowfall. I told you, like, I watched the second episode of the season and the last three minutes I had to rewind at least 10 times. And I've watched it a few times since then. I cannot stop watching it. Like, it's just an amazing piece of writing. It's amazing acting. It's amazing direction. Everyone was operating at the best of their cylinders. But I hit up Amin and I was just like, bruh. I said, I'm watching the screeners for the new season. I said, that diner scene, I have rewound it literally 10 times. I was like, that's your brick by brick. I knew you had range. I didn't know you could do that in all caps. I said, great, great work. Hope you and the fam are well. So he hit me back. I won't say everything that he said because it's a DM and, you know, it's private conversation. But he did say this about the season. I don't think he'd mind if I shared. He said this season, and this is not any kind of spoiler. He said this season is going to tear you apart. The fuck apart. Literally. I said, okay. I'm not ready for it, but I'm going to be ready for it. I can say this now because we're not under embargo anymore. This season of Snowfall picks up exactly where last season left off. And if you remember where it left off, it was Teddy, the CIA dude, his stole, was it 77 million? I think all of Franklin's money, everything that he worked for, I want to say like really in the last three years. I'm like, you made all that in that amount of time? But he stole all Franklin's money. So Franklin was broke. Teddy was no longer willing to work with Franklin and he was now working with Aunt Louie. And obviously Aunt Louie is married to Jerome and Jerome is Franklin's uncle. So, so Unc is in the middle. Unc has loyalty to Franklin as his nephew and also his sister who is Franklin's mother and who's working with Franklin. But the family's basically at war. Franklin had gone to Louie and been like, you know, I need to find a connect because he, you know, took all my money. And so she was like, yeah, there's nothing I could do to help you because she wasn't willing to give the connect up because now she's the new Franklin and she wants the money. And I think less so the money, but the power. So yeah, so the family is feuding and it's not going to end well. One of those four people, Unc, Franklin, Louis, or Uncle Jerome, I doubt if they all are alive by the end of the season. I would guess that one, maybe two of them is dead. That's not any insider information. That's just kind of what I think I know about storytelling. There's no way all four of them survive the season. It's just not going to happen. Also, I don't think uh, Franklin's daddy is dead. Like allegedly he's been killed. He disappeared from Cuba. Everyone thinks he's dead, but is he dead? I don't know. This is TV. Until I see a body, are you really dead? And even then, over on, uh, what's that uh, show? I haven't been watching it either. That's my show too. BMF. We done seen, what's the dude, Lamar? We saw Lamar get shot the fuck up. We're like, ooh, he dead. And then come to find out, nigga ain't dead. I need to catch up on BMF. I haven't watched any of my shows since I've been over here. I guess it's only been a week. It feels much, much longer. Much, much longer. I don't know why. That's not the point. The point is, your girl Lori Harvey walked the red carpet with Damson Idris at the Snowfall premiere for season six. I assume it was in LA. They walked the red carpet together. Damson, the star of the show, looked like who that? Like he looked like a plus one. He is a tall, attractive, well-dressed, debonair, British Nigerian. That type of man doesn't fade into the background easily. He looked like a straight plus one. And I was like, oh dear. 
And then just looked lost beside her. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't like to speak ill over folks' relationships. Especially not, you know, young folks dating in their, like, 20s and early 30s. I don't, I don't think this one's going to last long. He looked lost. The same look that Offset has on the red carpet when he's around Cardi. Her star power is just so big that even though he has, like, you know, his bona fide own thing and his millions in the bank that he earned, like, it's not his wife's money. But Cardi's star power is so big whenever Offset is with her on the red carpet and everyone's just like, Cardi, 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 Cardi. Offset is a bona fide rock star rapper. And then just standing next to Cardi, not so much. Not so much. Same thing with Damson Idris and Lori Harvey on the red carpet. Like He is the star of a hit show that has run six seasons on FX. Like it is, it is a bona fide hit. He does magazine features. He does covers. Denzel Washington, I think, finally actually knows his name. Standing next to Lori Harvey, plus one. Practically invisible. So they take these awkward photos together. And then basically the photographers are like, Lori, Lori, Lori. And so Damson like steps away. And she, you know, she has her pose ready to go. And she looked... Flawless, as usual. She may not have a hit show on any network or a hit song or, to be quite honest, a hit anything. She's a bona fide star. People can sit around all day and be like, well, what does she do? I mean, there's, there's been a fashion line. There's a makeup line. She pops up in Usher videos. Like, th- those are paid jobs, by the way. Those are, those are paid jobs, by the way. I think she's doing something now with Michael Kors. Those are all checks. You can call her a model, call her an influencer, whatever you want to call her. Understand, MoFos is calling her, and she is getting checks. And even if she never got one check, her father, Steve Harvey. I mean, it's worth like $300 million. <sighs> She's cute as fuck on that red carpet, though. I can't tell you shit about what Damson had on. He looked nice. That's all I remember. And I think he's, like, beautiful and adorable. Don't remember. Yeah, that wouldn't happen to me in my own premiere. I would have left her ass at home. You're not stealing my shine in my own damn premiere. Like, Demetria, you petty. I am. You're not going to outshine me in my own shit, though. I'm just saying. And that's not her fault. There's nothing she could do. Like, she's, she's hot. She's an it girl. And her star power is bigger. Like, there's... Do we want to talk about the obvious next topic? No. I don't want to talk about that yet. I do want to talk about Pharrell and Louis Vuitton. He's the new menswear director. He's got Virgil's old job. I saw that announcement last week, right after I wrapped the episode too. To me, as a fashion outsider, it kind of made sense to me. Because I was like, yeah, well, Pharrell is, you know, known as men's fashion. And he did have Billionaire Boys Club. He's known for his eclectic sense of fashion. Like, it made sense to me. All the fashion people were like, what the fuck? No, no. How could they do this? And so I had to, like, read up on it a little bit. And Robin Gavon the Robin Gavon, as she is known to do, had a nice little breakdown in the Washington Post of essentially of why Pharrell is a terrible choice. And his appointment is yet another fine example of all the things that are currently wrong with fashion. I was like, oh dear. I'll tell you what she concluded in the piece before I tell you how she arrived at this point. She said, with the selection of Williams, fashion deflated just a little bit more. Not because he is untalented, but because the choice is uninspiring, deflated, uninspiring. She points out in this piece on the post, she says uh, that Pharrell's appointment is a powerful statement about the fashion industry's relationship with itself. I'm quoting. She says, despite its swagger, it being the fashion industry, she says, insecurity is rife. Despite fashion's commitment to chasing innovation, it has a habit of settling. 
for more of the same. She says Pharrell's appointment is a blow to the belief that fashion design is a skill and not merely an attitude. Points out that, you know, while Pharrell is is known as like a it guy for the culture, and he's really good at picking up on trends and, and pushing them forward and even thinking forward when it comes to innovation, whether it's music or fashion or anything like that. She points out that he has actually no fashion training. She points out that Pharrell is much different than Virgil, which a lot of people may not see the difference. Although Virgil hadn't studied fashion design, quote, he had worked his way through false starts, fashion competitions, his own brand, DJing and collaborating until he grabbed one of the industry's few brass rings. He arrived at Louis Vuitton with a fan base that saw himself in them. Abla, Virgil, was groundbreaking. She says the choice of Williams is not. It feels a bit like a company trying to recapture a certain excitement and sense of change that was fueled by possibility. Gavon goes further to say, and this is where it gets not so nice again. She says the choice of Williams makes it clear how much the definition of designer has changed in a generation. In the popular imagination, the designer is still a lone figure, draping and sketching, overseeing and demanding. She says, in the popular imagination, the designer is still a lone figure, draping and sketching, overseeing and demanding. And she says, what it is in actuality is the creative director oversees a fleet of designers working on a multitude of division. And they also worry about advertising and marketing and store design, too. And she concludes of this, quote, the shift has taken a bit of the magic out of fashion. It has removed any pretense of intimacy and limited personal expression. It's all about product and messaging. Times change. Fashion moves along too. And then the conclusion that I gave you earlier, but with the selection of Williams, this is a drag. This isn't just a critique. This is a drag. Fashion deflated just a little bit more. Oh dear. Oh dear. I thought it was a cute look. I mean, Pharrell's going to put out hot shit. He's just not going to be the one designing it. I don't work in fashion, so I don't have a dog in this fight, but I imagine... I don't know. I don't have to imagine. Anytime there's been a person who never worked in editorial put at the top of a a magazine, me and my writer friends have freaked out. So I imagine this is Robin Gavon's version of of freaking out over somebody with no design experience at the top of the food chain as a creative director at one of the biggest fashion houses. I get it. Also, I think I might should be worried about it. Because every time that I can think of that somebody's been appointed as editor-in-chief of a magazine or even a site that doesn't have strong editorial experience, it's been a goddamn disaster. Hopefully they put the right people around Pharrell to support him. I don't want to see him flop. I don't want to see him fumble this. But just based on how I know this plays out in other industries, it doesn't end well. That's not good. I'm rooting for Pharrell. Even if his selection is, you know, uninspiring and, and the magic... She really said that he's emblematic of the magic that fashion has lost. Like, oh, oh dear. Oh dear. I would say she's one woman with one opinion, but I think her opinion is that of many fashion insiders. Like I said, my, my fashion friends like were freaking out about Pharrell's appointment because of his lack of experience. Oh, there was something else I was going to say. We don't have time to do it today, but we probably need to go through. Did you see that article on Pyre Moss in the cut? It came out last month. It literally came out like January 30th. I was sitting with a fashion friend when I was in D.C. And she was like, girl, 
And I was like, what was in it? How bad could it be? Like, you know, everybody loves Kirby. And she was like, not the cut. She was telling me some of the details that were in the article. And I was like, no, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. There's a quote in the article that said Pyre Moss clothing was the equivalent of, they say rainbow? It wasn't just rainbow. It was actually worse than rainbow. I'm scrolling through the article right now. They compared it to... I swear we're not going through this whole article today. I just want to make sure that I get the quote right. It was rainbow and it was so insulting. I'm still scrolling for the quote. But the idea of the article was that Pyre Moss throws great events. They know how to do great marketing and get people to pay attention. But they don't know how to sell clothes. Conway, that's what it is. The Cut interviewed a bunch of employees and former employees for Pyre Moss. They said a former employee on the design team pointed out that that the brand's price points and the quality don't align. And during the same interview, the former employee on the design team said Conway and Rainbow have better stuff. That hurt my heart. When I was a broke grad student at NYU living in New York, I didn't even shop at Conway. Yes, I'm broke, but I'm not that broke. Rainbow I haven't worn since I was in high school. Ain't nothing wrong with Rainbow. Ain't nothing wrong with Conway if that's what you can afford. But don't be a high-end designer charging people hundreds and thousands and they're being compared to Conway and Rainbow. Don't be that. That one is a full-on drag. You think what Robin Gavon had to say about Pharrell was a drag in the cut? Woo! We'll talk about it next week. Maybe not Tuesday, but we'll talk about it next week. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Last but not least. Last but not least. I talked about this a little bit on social media, so I'm not going to belabor the point here. Rihanna is on the cover of the new vote. She obviously just did the Super Bowl. Rihanna's concert, 118 million people tuned in for Rihanna and 113 million people tuned in for the actual Super Bowl. Just to give you some, you know, context of, of Rihanna's popularity. I also found some other stats about Rihanna's performance that she gained 1.5 million Instagram followers after her Super Bowl performance. The searches for Fenty, you know, midway through the show, she, she fixed her makeup. There was a Fenty compact. Um, and also her dancers were all dressed in Fenty. But searches for Fenty went up by 833%. I read that Rihanna's Spotify streams jumped 640% after the Super Bowl. And, and this is the same Super Bowl in which she announced, unofficially, visually, she announced she was pregnant with her second child. So she's on the new cover of Vogue, which I think dropped, what's today, Friday? Maybe dropped on Wednesday. The Super Bowl was on Sunday. So all of this is carefully orchestrated. I read the Vogue article, which basically said, by the time you read this, Rihanna would have performed at the Super Bowl. This is a much-deserved cover. I think it's a lovely cover. The hair is a Rihanna choice. I specifically say it's a Rihanna choice because Rihanna likes to do Rihanna things. I didn't care for it, but she still looks absolutely beautiful. But the important part about the cover is it's Rihanna and then Rocky and then the baby. So it's a family portrait, a black family portrait on the cover of Vogue. I saw the cover and I knew it was going to be a problem for some people. 
It's the family walking on the beach and Rihanna is reaching back and she's holding Rocky's hand and Rocky is holding the baby and looking at the baby. He's cuddling with the baby as Rihanna visually leads the way. I have no issue with it. I just thought it was beautiful. It's a black family on the cover of Vogue. It's a woman who has a career, who has a man, who has a baby. It's to me, it read as have it all. She, she also had another baby on the way. She said she didn't know at the time she shot the Vogue cover that she was pregnant with her second child. The cover was only shot five weeks ago, which I was like, really? Her tummy pop like that? Because she's flat on the Vogue cover. Unless that's a lot of Photoshop, which it could be. If you ever watched the September issue, they use the best in the business, but they heavily Photoshop. Folks saw this cover. It's not all folks, some folks, some angry, loud men and women saw this cover and were mortified and were like, this is a part of an agenda to emasculate the black man. The man should always be in the position of leadership. Women have no business leading. Why is Rihanna leading her family? She's upsetting the natural order of how a family should be. Just say y'all hate black women and go about your business. It'd be so much easier than writing these diatribes and, and this stupid illogical shit that people post all over the internet. Rocky is accomplished in his own right. He's not a broke dude. He just happens to be dating a woman that's worth, you know, 1.7 billion, I think was the last number I saw. His five million don't really sparkle the same way it would if he was dating, say, a woman that made 100,000. And then also, talk about this word simp. People apply it to any man that actually looks like he likes the woman he's with. Like he likes her, he respects her, he might actually be happy with her. Because the other person is always constantly called a simp is Russell Wilson. And Russell makes a ton of money. I mean, Sierra comes with her own, but Russell makes a whole lot more. By the standards that folks apply to, you know, who wears the pants, which is largely based on money, Russell would be the pants wearer in that relationship. They call that man a simp simply because Sierra came into the relationship with a child and had dated a fuckboy before him. He also publicly praises his wife. He seems to actually be happy to spend time with his wife and children. What's the dude? I never remember this man's name. The one that likes to role play as a cat. He pretends to be like a dirty cat. He says he like goes outside and is down on all fours. That's how he and his wife like to role play. That's not the point. The point is he constantly goes in on Russell. He went on Tamron Hall to talk about going in on Russell. And he was like, you know, I think he's like a fine guy, but he's not somebody I'd like to go to the club with. To which Tamron responded. She was like, but he's a married father of three. Why would he be in the club? Why would you look at this, this grown-ass man in his mid-30s with a wife and three children and, and, and think of the club for any reason? I know there's something to do around the damn house. Do it. I know one of your kids needs some kind of attention. Pay it. Come on. But now they're doing the same thing to Rocky. Oh, he's a simp. For what reason? Please tell me. The ASAP Rocky. I'm sure he's a lovely person. For what reason should ASAP Rocky be one on the cover? That's clearly a Rihanna choice. For what reason should Rocky be in the foreground of this Vogue cover? Is the story about him? Did, did he perform at the Super Bowl? I saw he was at the Super Bowl. I saw he was there being a supportive and loving partner. He was holding up his phone and he was recording Rihanna on stage. He looked excited and hyped for her. For what reason should he be in the foreground? It, the story's not about him. It's, it's about the person who performed at the Super Bowl who came back after like a seven-year hiatus to perform. That, that's the story. It's not about ASAP. ASAP has covers of his own. He was on GQ sometime last year, year before. He's the one that broke the story about he and Rihanna being in a relationship together. 
and she makes him so happy and all of that. Like, great, great. It's not like he's never had a cover before. It's not like Rihanna was on the cover with him because the story wasn't about her. It was about him. This story is about her. It's about family and what she is a part of. So it makes sense that he's present. But honestly, it could have just been her on the cover like it usually is when, when Vogue does stories about accomplished women because it's a magazine for women and about women. But usually when Vogue does stories about accomplished women, it's just a woman on the cover. And even if it's a story about family, like the pictures, the photos of the family are inside. It would have been totally fine with me if Rocky wasn't on the cover and the photos of, of the child and Rocky were inside. I saw some fool. He was like, well, you no, know, why is he holding the baby? She should be holding the baby. She got Rocky out here playing the mother role. Do, do only mothers hold their children? Fathers? Fathers don't hold their children? Fathers don't nurture their children? It's his damn child. Are you suggesting that this man not father and nurture and love on his child? His baby? The baby. It's a baby, y'all. It's a baby. The baby's not even a year old. I don't even know if the baby can walk. And they're complaining. They were like, ASAP is holding the baby. He's playing a mother role. This guy was like, you know, what if something happened? Like, what if, what if violence breaks out? What if something happens? Like, you know, war could break out. Literally, he said war. And he was like, and how is ASAP going to defend her if, if he's holding the baby? They're at a Vogue photo shoot in Malibu. Earthquakes are a threat. War breaking out? Right at that time? Not so much. And do you honestly think that, like, there's no security... Rihanna and Rocky don't have their own or Vogue hasn't provided any additional security at that during the shoot. And if war broke out, if war did break out, right, there are bullets and bombs flying. At that point, is it really going to matter who who present is holding the baby? Niggas, niggas. I don't know how people come up with this shit. My friend and I were talking about it on Facebook and I was like, yo, this is some real lack love type shit. To the point that you're arguing against a father holding his own child or any man holding any child. It's a child, not even a child. It's a baby. It is a it is a not even one year old baby. The, the fact that folks can't fathom the word I'm looking for fathers as, as, as nurturing and, and cuddlers and, and, and love and, and softness for, for even babies just says a lot about how fucked up people are. Also, I'm almost done. I've never really been that much of a fan of Rihanna and Rocky. I think I said my piece. I think I said my piece a while ago and I was like, you know, she's, if she likes it, I love it. I ain't dating him. So that's her business. I saw the Vogue cover and I actually felt warm about him. Because, you know, he's had some, some public incidents. Like he got locked up abroad for doing some dumb shit. And then I think he got arrested again. I think, those, I think that's, still, that's still pending. He's had some choice conversation about Black Lives Matter and, and why he should or should not care about, you know, what happens to black people who don't hang out in West Hollywood, essentially. He's a magic Negro who shit not supposed to happen to until, you know, he got locked up abroad. He has some fuck up tendencies, I think. But Rihanna seems to be happy with him. And also, he seems to be really supportive of her. The Vogue cover, there's a lot of dudes whose ego wouldn't allow them to do that because they have these prehistoric ideas about what men should look like and what men should do and what leadership is and what family is and, and all of that shit. But like, the man looks happy. It's a photo for her Vogue cover. He's not even looking at Rihanna. He's playing with the baby. Rocky is looking at the baby. He's, he ain't got no cares in the world. He's just happy with his son. The man loves his kid. 
He's happy to be a dad. Rihanna says in the Vogue article, she was like, when he and the baby are together, she's like, I don't exist. Like, that's his baby. I wouldn't want to have kids with somebody who wasn't excited about being a father, who didn't enjoy being a father, who didn't want to love on our child. This is the point I'm making. What women consistently say they want in a partner, which is someone who is supportive, someone who allows them to be their full selves and doesn't try to distract them or, or keep them from their, their dreams or goals or ambitions that recognizes that they have them and also supports them, who seems to be emotionally vulnerable, who wants to be partnered, who wants to be an active participant in their children's lives, who wants to build a life together and split the responsibilities of what that life looks like. That is consistently what women say they want in a partner. Most women, not all. But it's very terrifying to me that so many men see someone who, at least in, a, in an image and in a story in Vogue, embodies these traits and they're repulsed by it. That's scary. The disconnect between what women want and what men are willing to be. It's, it's so unshocking to me why marriage rates or partnership rates, because Rocky and Rihanna aren't married, nor do I think they need to be if they don't want to be. Like, you want to get married for what? Respectability? But given that so many men are repulsed by the very basic things that women say that they want, I'm not surprised at all that, that relationships and, and marriages and partnerships, whatever, whatever title they may hold, are just for so many people so dismal. There's another criticism of Rihanna. I addressed it online, so I'm not going to do it again. But she called her baby fine. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And people just somehow ran with that and was like, she's sexualizing her baby. Grown men who are really attractive are fine. A baby isn't a grown man. And I was like, y'all can't be this fucking dumb. But a lot of people are. She was not sexualizing her baby. She was just saying like, you know, it's a fine boy, fine gal. Like she's He's, she's saying she's saying the baby's attractive, yes, but also all around, like her baby is pretty much perfection and makes the family proud and, you know, admires her baby. And humans are dumb as fuck. I know people are dumb as fuck, but sometimes they even surprise me about just the level of, of dumb fuckery that exists in the world. <sighs> all right. That's the episode. I'm going to edit and then I'm going to pack. I need a weekend away. I burned it. All right. Talk next week i'll tell you about the cape town art fair and and whatever randomness shall occur between now and then all right talk soon bye